Hi, everyone. It's the Colorful Plates Podcast. I'm Brian Denton, and today we have a full show for you with some real talk about the complexities currently being faced with avocados, the good and bad of growing region transitions, and we beg growers to gaze into non-existent produce crystal balls and let us know what these next few weeks will look like so we can sleep a bit better at night. So pull on your big boy pants. This is an episode you're going to want to hear. Today, we continue our series on the massive transition about to happen from one major growing region to the next, featuring interviews with Gabe Romero from ProAct and Patrick DeYoung with Field Fresh Farms. We start, though, with a conversation about the pain being felt from a grower strike during the heart of the Mexican avocado harvest. As a bit of background, fresh produce pricing is driven by good old supply and demand. The more demand for a product and less of its supply leads to higher pricing, often regardless of quality. When that supply is coming from an area that has a limited-time global monopoly on the commodity, it can lead to situations where growers may try to increase pricing by limiting what is harvested, packed, and shipped. While this is rare, this seems to be the case right now in Mexico when it comes to avocados. A group of growers in Michoacan on the west coast of Mexico have blocked harvesters and packers from accessing avocado groves, severely limiting imports in the United States. We spoke with Patrick Cortez, Senior Director of Business Development for Mission Produce, about the situation and what may be next. It's now going on a couple of weeks where uh, a group of growers in Mexico in the Michoacan region where the majority of the avocados are harvested, uh, they, they bound together because they were concerned about what they felt were unfair prices to be paid for their avocados. And as a result, they basically said, uh, until we feel that there are more just prices being paid for the fruit, that they were going to go on strike and not harvest. And avocados are different from other commodities, say a strawberry or a blueberry, that when, when those berries are ready on the bush, you've got to go get them. You can't leave them. Well, an avocado can stay on a tree for six, eight, ten months at times. And so... Uh, there is that opportunity if, if they're feeling that there's not a, a good fair value that they'll just wait. And so that's the situation we're in. And we've had these disruptions over the last two or three years, and generally they get resolved rather quickly. Well, unfortunately, this one has uh, extended much longer than any one we've had previously. And we're now in a situation where it's definitely going to have gone on for for about two weeks uh, there's a lot of information coming out of Mexico. There have been a lot of meetings, both in Michoacan and also in Mexico City, with uh, their equivalent of the Trade Commission trying to understand the grievances and come to a resolution. Uh, us as packers and buyers of Mexican avocados want to pay a fair price, and we want to harvest the fruit. The fruit is there on the trees. And uh, by and large, most of the growers want to harvest and so we're trying to get a resolution of this thing as quickly as possible. And uh, while nobody truly knows, uh, there's been a lot of speculation. Some say it could resolve itself uh, next week. Some say it might hold off until Thanksgiving, but nobody truly does know. Uh, what we do know is that there are meetings that are occurring on a daily basis. And um, I think there is an increased pressure from all sides to get this thing back going. The growers have fruit on the trees. Uh, clearly the inventory supply situation in the United States is running bare. Uh, virtually there'll be almost no avocados left in the supply chain in the United States at some point next week. Uh, there'll be stragglers here or there, but by and large, the industry's going to run dry. 
Uh, when you have it harvested, picked, and packed avocados for uh, over two weeks, it's eventually going to happen. And so we're all trying to work towards a resolution. But, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. This is uh, one of many times that it's happened in the last three years. And we, we want to find a way to, to create some stability and find a way where the growers are getting paid a fair price, the, the importers can charge a fair price to the customer, and, and then by and large, whatever sector it is, the food service, the restaurant, the retail chain can charge a fair price, and everybody's happy. And that's, that's what we're trying to get to. I know that the complexities of doing business on a global scale uh, can be quite overwhelming and can be even overwhelming to understand. Um, Mission, you guys are are sourcing from a number of different countries. Um, Right now, where are you sourcing from? And is there a different level of complexity added when you're doing business in some countries as opposed to others? Yeah, good question. I think um, that's something we identified seven or eight years ago, and, and we've made a, a, a substantial capital investment uh, in Peru, where Mission is the largest grower of avocados in Peru. We own all of our own fields, and a lot of that was to be vertically integrated, because when you're vertically integrated, you control the supply. Now, the thing about Peru is while we're finding ways to extend the harvest, it still has about a 18 to 20-week harvest cycle, whereas Mexico's 52 weeks. So what we've done is is we're looking at different elevations. We're looking at different parts of the country to, to procure more land uh, to extend the seasons. We're also looking at different varietals that are still half-like. And then, in addition to that, we're trying to extend into Chile. Uh, we've got a joint venture in Colombia. We're also uh, buying land in Colombia. And the idea is, is to try to become as vertically integrated as possible. Um, anytime, regardless of commodity, when one origin is the overwhelming dominating player, uh, that gives a lot of leverage to that origin. And so the idea of trying to diversify uh, is basically what our strategic goal has been over the last eight to nine years. So we really do feel that Peru offers a good solution. The, the quality there is those trees mature has been fantastic. And then Columbia dovetails right into that. Granted, it's still, you know, three, five, seven years away, but that's kind of the idea. And then the goal would be to have sufficient supply 52 weeks from multiple origins so that we can create more of that stability. That 52-week supply is, is definitely the goal of, of distributors like ProAct, retailers. They want to make sure that they have something consistent for their customers. And I know that, that through this complexity mission and, and your subsidiaries are working um, alongside these growers. Can you just spell out for us what the growing situation is like in Mexico um, and how it might be different than Southern California or, or Peru? Sure, absolutely. In Mexico, there's... Uh, basically a group of 20 to 30,000 growers. The average growth size in, in Mexico is four hectares, about six acres. So there aren't large commercial farms. Um, and, and on top of that, when you don't have large commercial farms, you don't have situations where um, shippers, growers, packers can be vertically integrated as we are in Peru. So we have a team, just like basically the majority of other players, uh, in Mexico, that of uh, field reps that go out and, and, and speak to the growers and negotiate daily in terms of what the buy price is going to be. And then we buy the fruit from the growers. We bring it into one of our two pack houses that we own in Mexico. And from there, it's, it's under full mission traceability. But that's by and large the model um, that is in Mexico. What Peru offers for us is nearly 3,000 hectares, over 6,000 acres 
of avocados on three farms that are massive commercial farms that are under our control solely and are harvested by mission employees, packed by mission employees, and marketed by mission employees. And that's the model that gives us a lot more stability, right? We can go to people like ProLact and their distributors and retail partners and say, we can set these programs for 18 to 20 weeks and, and hopefully in the future longer because I'm we're the grower. Um, and that's, that's what Mexico uh, doesn't offer that other origins offer in Chile being similar, um, Colombia being similar, similar as well. California, you know, it's, it's not to the extreme of what the Mexican model is, but California still also is very much a buy-sell deal. Uh, Mission is a grower in California, but it's not a substantial portion of what we market. Um, and at the end of the day, it's very similar. There are a lot of small growers. I mean, you've got doctors who have 20 trees in their backyard, and they're not commercial farmers. It's just part of their landscape. So really, it, it, it is about finding those origins and, you know, go out there and, and have large commercial investments, uh, which unfortunately Mexico just does not uh, represent. Patrick, I appreciate you, you uh, spelling that out for us. So I know in produce... Uh, we are sometimes asked to break out our crystal balls to be a bit speculative about what's happening, but it sounds like um, you are going to <laughs> you're going to decline to give us any kind of certainty. Let us know best case, worst case scenario for the weeks ahead. Yeah, best case scenario, we we start harvesting uh, this coming Monday, and forgive me for not having a calendar in front of me. What the date is? Worst case scenario is who knows? I mean, people are saying. Not until Thanksgiving. One thing is for sure, Brian, that uh, there is plenty of fruit on the trees. And one thing that is also for sure is that a lot of growers are starting to experience drop, uh, meaning fruit is actually falling off their trees. We're getting to a point where growers can't hold. I mentioned at the top of this conversation that avocados have the ability to stay on trees for six, eight, ten months at a time. Well, there is a bloom on the tree now in Mexico that is getting to that tipping point where it's got to come off the tree. And so when we get behind this, uh, and, and this nonsense, for lack of a better term, uh, is, is put aside, there should be ample amount of fruit for promotions, for activities, for whatever we're looking to do. Um, crystal ball, it's cloudy at best. Uh, and like I said, it could be resolved here in a handful of days. It could be until after the holiday. Um, but rest assured, we're, we're trying to do things in the interim, bring in fruit from the Dominican Republic, potentially look at air freighting fruit in, fruit in from Chile. Uh, and so we just we, we need to get past this work stoppage strike uh, because we all want to get back to what we love doing, which is promoting a, a very attractive commodity in the produce uh, sector. Thanks again to Patrick for taking the time to speak with me about what is going on in Mexico. Make sure to subscribe to the market reports at ProductUSA.com to stay posted on the Mexican avocado growing crisis. We're continuing our conversation about the massive transition about to be underway as row crops move from the Salinas Valley to Huron, California, and eventually to Yuma, Arizona. We spoke to Gabe Romero with ProAct in studio and Patrick DeYoung, Director of Operations for Field Fresh Farms, a tender leaf grower out of Watsonville, California, about some of the complexities and what to expect in the days ahead. We, we really need to go down to the desert during the, uh, during the winter. Um, 
there's there's just too many challenges in growing product up here uh, the north side year round, and um, in order to get around the issues that that creates, we find ourselves having to move down uh, to the Yuma area, the or the Southern California region, for most of the winter. Um, we do transition through Huron, both going and coming back, which is not something that a lot of people do. We kind of do it because we feel we have to make sure that, you know, if there's any variability in one region during these transitional times, we usually have a little something in another region. So, you know, the weather's beautiful and humid today, but, you know, they could have a late monsoon. They could have some type of weather event, which would stop them from harvesting. Up here to the north, you've had some really cold temperatures the last uh, the last three days. You know that's that's that stopped people from getting into their fields because of the cold. So what we try to do is mitigate the risk of getting stuck out in the cold or burned up in the desert by transitioning through two or three different regions all at once until we focus all of our growing in the midwinter down in the desert area where you can only grow during that that time. Patrick, walk us through a little bit about the timing on that. So when are you actually going down to Huron, and then when are you um, making the trek to, to Yuma? We've, we've actually been transitioning for about two to three weeks on, on, ver- on various products. On the baby leaf product, it's been about three weeks because you're able to go down in those desert regions and get some better products. Um, also through the Huron so basically, you want to have a little bit of, of product in each of the regions just in case one of the regions has a failure. We do it nice and slow um, and, and not on a real big scale. So what, what happens is we have our own product for our customers available from those different regions to make sure that we get our customers covered uh, with product. We also ship out of both, both regions and, and, and transition slowly. So... If that transition uh, is, is tends to be more one-sided, where one side still has product while another doesn't, we're still able to offer our customers uh, a place to ship out of either up north or down south where the majority of the product is getting harvested. Or we have it trucked up to the or trucked down to the other facility. Give me a sense of the size differences between your, your operations in Watsonville, Huron, and Yuma. Are, are we growing the same produce in every place and is it about the same size in terms of acreage we always have the same amount of acreage and through transition we probably actually have a little bit extra because we know we're going to get uh we we know we're going to run into problems right so because we know we're going to run into problems we have a few extra plantings uh spotted around because that's that's when it gets really difficult to uh to start doing that planning stuff the, the planning of, uh, of transition really needs to be well thought out because you have to plan for the worst-case scenario. Um, I know that they've had a late start in the southern region because of the late storms they had, the monsoons they had about a month and a half ago. Um, so that it, it, it really does affect uh, your ability to harvest as well as the quality of the product that you're harvesting. On the quality piece of that, give me a sense of um, how – produce is coming out of the field in the Salinas Valley as opposed to in Huron and Yuma? Is it about the same? And also, are there different complexities in terms of growing in those climates? You basically just answered the question. The complexities 
of growing things, especially like spring mix, um, in, in these different climates and in, in, in these transitional periods, you really basically have to plan and, and choose what it is you're going to be planting where. So what, what becomes a challenge is, for, for instance, the darker components. The darker components can't grow well in the heat because they attract the heat. So down, down in the desert right now, we probably have close to a full mix of spring mix except for some of the darker components that might be, be in, in Huron. And those are the challenges that you're really presented with, is not getting the right thing in the right spot. And when you're talking about the quality, that's, that's what leads to those quality issues, is you can't grow the darker product in a, in a, in a really hot environment, as well as some of the, 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 the items won't grow in an environment where you're going to get a hard freeze or, or a frost. So really the, the, the weather also dictates the transition. If you get a product that, that freezes once or twice, it's not going to have the, the quality that you're looking for, so you're most likely going to have to leave that region because of it. And it's, it's the quality that dictates, hey, we're going to leave the region now. And it's also the quality that, that dictates we can go to the region now. Hey, we're able to harvest some good spinach because we didn't get rained on in a monsoon. We're running some really long hours up here in Watsonville in anticipation of the, the transition this next week, um, and and that's mostly because we're trying to, 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 to take the, the, the best product that's still left up here and get it in a bag for our customers because we know next week with, with the, the, the coolers um, all moving down for, for the, the transition into the, the winter as well as the quality we just really have tried to make the most, uh, in our plan, we've tried to make the most options for ourselves so that we can meet the demand of our customers. Meeting the demand of, of, of the quality of the product, trying to get the best quality in, in the truck, and then delivering that to where we're going to be processing it. So right now we're just focusing on, on finishing up here. It looks like everything is relatively clean um, this week, however, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next week. We've had a run of really nice weather, so there's not much to complain about. We just had, you know, we're we're, we're living through some of the the, the last bits of uh, the monsoons that they got in the southern region about a month and a half ago. Uh, but it's it's actually coming out. The, the the quality seems to be really really strong towards the beginning here. When we start in Yuma, heads of romaine are open they're they're small in stature that are not long elongated and we're having difficult times with romaine hearts right now so you're going to see less blanching in your romaine you're going to see less heart material in your romaine hearts it's going to look more like a, a head of romaine than it is a heart we're talking probably for the next two to three weeks before there's any solidity or any cupping in that romaine field that will give you a true romaine heart so even in your chopped romaines and your process stuff you're going to see a lot different uh, not not as much as the the yellowing to the even the white colored the ribs of the romaine you're going to see a lot of green product as far as romaine concern supplies are going to be limited all the way through december even though weather's favorable the the plantings that they've decreased by 20 percent as an industry are really going to take fold when it comes to market product as we're feeling right now the markets are elevated on romaine and it looks to stay that way even if demand falls off i think it's still going to be a strong deal all the way through december Again, thanks to Gabe and Patrick for sharing their time and expertise with us. Hopefully this has been an enlightening look at the transition process and potential outcomes. 
Please take the time to leave us a rating or review on this podcast. It helps other chefs and produce growers and, and, and distributors to find us. And make sure to visit our website, colorfulplates.co. As always, stay fresh. Stay fresh.